Welcome, Simon Jacobson here. And we will be speaking about full moon meaning. This program is dedicated in honor of Yehuda Abraham. Did you ever find yourself standing an evening and staring up at the sky, looking at the moon, that lunar sphere, that haunting gray, whitish moon that's always here with us. So there may be some cloudy nights, but yet the moon is always there. And it goes through its own phases, its own journey. The new moon, the first quarter, the crescent, the full moon, the third quarter, again crescent, and then finally reborn again, a new moon. And then there are lunar eclipses, and so many other things about the moon that's connected to reality, myths, folklore. Who hasn't heard about the werewolf to the full moon? Wolves howling at the moon. And of course, on a softer and more romantic side, people who are in love, who stare and gaze at the moon. You don't find them gazing at the sun. Though the sun is much more mightier, more powerful, more consistent, And actually, the light of the moon is a reflection of the sun. The moon has its own personality. How many poems and songs and essays and books have been written using the moon as a metaphor or as a backdrop? The moon is our closest neighbor. And of course, when man landed on the moon 50 years ago, it was a big thing like a big step, one step for mankind. I don't know what bigger steps happen as a result. I once wrote an article about that, but let's not digress. So the moon captivates us. It mesmerizes us even, and it affects us. It affects the tides. It affects the growth of different types of nocturnal or other plants. It affects the cycles of many of our creatures in this earth. And it affects us as well, because, as I said, besides our looking at it and gazing at it, it's our nighttime. It reflects, it's the minister of the night. If the sun is the minister of the sun, of the day, the sun is the minister of the day, the administrating angel, you can say, the ministering angel of the day, the moon is the minister of the night, the luminary of the night. So all that's related to night is also associated with the moon. It actually fits perfectly in. Not just the fact that the sun obviously cannot shine by by night because then it wouldn't be night, it would be day. But the moon has that type of backdrop in night, but yet it glows. It doesn't glow enough to, uh, to, to transform the night into day, but enough to see our way perhaps, but also to look up and try to understand what is this force within us and among us. So there are many ways to look at this. And in the context of Meaningful Life Center programs, where we try to make everything relevant and personal, and lessons that we can derive and actually help us grow, enhance, and even transform our lives. So we look at the moon the same way. What is its message to us? What does it teach us? And what are the different phases, especially the full moon? And I say this because this week will be the full moon, the end of this month. I'm sorry, the end of this week. And it's not just another full moon. 
Every month has its full moon. It's a full moon of this particular Hebrew month of Av, the saddest month in the Hebrew calendar. And in direct proportion to its sadness, the full moon is seen. A sadness, a full moon that comes after sadness is a far greater full moon, even though they all look the same. But spiritually and psychologically and cosmologically, the full moon in this month demonstrates that even when we were broken, even though just a few days ago on Sunday, Saturday, last Saturday, it was the 9th of all, the fast was pushed off till Sunday. And tragic events, traumatic events happened. Yet the moon and the full moon reflects that there's rebirth, there's fullness, even after tragedy. So yes, the 9th of the month reflects 9, not 10, a certain diminishment. I've talked about this many times briefly. In the sporadic structure of the Kabbalists, we have 10 attributes, divine attributes, that evolve into 10 faculties, three intellectual cognitive ones and seven emotional ones. The three cognitive, in Hebrew, conceiving an idea, developing an idea, and coming to a conclusion. Then you have seven emotional. These are all the conscious faculties, mind you. The seven emotional is love, discipline, compassion or beauty, endurance, yielding humility, bonding and dignity. You can have, be a completely accomplished person, brilliant mind, sensitive emotions, but if you're lacking dignity, what we call malchut, a sense of self-esteem, of value, that you're a king or queen in your own right, and you have that type of indispensable majesty about you, when you're lacking that, everything else falls short. So Malchus is the, what we, what's called in the Kabbalistic language, Pagam Halavana, the wound of the moon. The wound of the moon. Interesting, because the moon is reflective of that tenth level. And that's why the moon is so vulnerable in a way, and fragile. It goes through its phases. It's not dependent on its own light. It needs to reflect the light of the sun. So as it reflects the light of the sun to earth, it goes through its stages. Obviously, the moon is always full somewhere in outer space, but we're talking about it's radiating this earth. And those shifts affect not just the moon, it affects also us. So the phases of the moon reflect the phases of life and the cycles of life that are all about the cycles of malchut, the cycles of your dignity, your self-esteem, your confidence, and how much of our psychological lives is dependent and defined by our confidence level, our feeling secure. And the contrary to that, the antithesis to that is feeling insecure, fear, and all the other inhibitions that come with that. You can sum up that most, if not all human challenges, all human successes and failures, all our strengths and all our liabilities are connected to the phases of our malchus, where your malchus stands. If your moon is a full one, you're in full intensity, you are, your dignity and majesty is glowing. When it's diminished to the point that even disappearing right before the new moon, it's in the lowest state. And it, there's an ebb and flow, just like the tides, which the moon affects. The moon too goes through its own ebb and flow in its phases. So the full moon, of course, reflects the ultimate of dignity, the ultimate of self-esteem, a confident, secure person. The third quarter, as the moon wanes, 
reflects the diminishment of that. And in this month, when the temple was destroyed, and the temple was an interface between heaven and earth, where heaven kissed earth, an interface between all spirit and matter, between energy and matter, when there's that is breached and there's a schism, that schism causes the diminishment, or you can say the wound, the scar of Malchut, of the moon. So when a full moon emerges after that, in the words of the Holy Arizal, the, Arizal, the great master, Rabbi Isaac Luria, who uh, revolutionized mysticism, and his yard site actually is on the 5th of Av, just last week, he explains that's why the full moon of this month is unique, and that's why the Talmud tells us there were no holidays in, by, the Israel, by the Jewish people, like the 15th of the Av, the fifth the full moon of this month, and Yom Kippur, it's equated to Yom Kippur, because Yom Kippur too is a rebirth and a hope after destruction. The Jewish people, the Bible tells us, built a golden calf just 39 days after they heard the Ten Commandments at Sinai, do not have other gods. Moses comes down from the mountain, sees it, shatters the tablets, built a god that was complete betrayal, and yet went back on the mountain, marched back up to beg and beseech God for forgiveness which feeds into the next month, which we'll talk about. This is basis of the book 60 Days, A Spiritual Guide to the High Holidays. So this whole story, this calendar of these sad days leads into the month of El, which will be next week, a month of compassion, a month of being able to rebuild after what? Something broken. And when is Yom Kippur? 40 days from the beginning of El, when Moses goes up a third time on the mountain and finally comes down 40 days later in Yom Kippur with the second tablets, as we say right after Kol Nidre, God says, I've forgiven them as you've spoken, as you've asked me. Hope after break. Nothing greater in life. We all hope that there should never be any breaks in life, but that's not reality. The greatest gift in life is that there's hope. That even when something was broken, even if something was compromised, something was betrayed, was violated, you have the ability, your mood, That's, that is why Yom Kippur and the 15th of Ovar are equated. I'll just add another interesting point. The Shalah, Rabbi Yitzchak Horowitz, a great middle-aged scholar and Kabbalist as well, says that the Mazel, which is the sign, the astronomical zodiac sign of this month, of the sad month of Av, is Aryeh, is Leo. Aryeh in Hebrew is made up of four letters. Aleph, Resh, Yud, Hey. It's an acronym for El, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Hashanah Rabbah. So out of the throes, the abyss, the pain, the darkness of a diminished and wounded and limping moon, limping dignity, in some way a dignity that has been abused, that has been violated, out of that, what what does it give birth to? That Leo? It gives birth to the most powerful days of compassion, Rosh Hashanah, renewal, Yom Kippur, sanctity and hope and forgiveness. And finally, Hashem Rabbi, joy, which is the culmination of the entire high holiday season, all born from this darkness. Because it's not just that we have hope. The hope is part of the process. And look at the moon. It's not two different moons, the full moon and the new moon. The same moon that gets diminished is the same moon that gets full. 
So full moon is representative of the most important message in life, hope. And not just hope that you can be full again. And never give up, because life is a journey. Like the days of the month, like the lunar cycle, it's a journey. And the journey has its ups and downs, waxes and wanes, ebb and flow, twists and turns, and it's one long cycle. And in order to get a new moon, you have to get diminished. And because the, before the, and after the new moon, it begins to blossom and grow, becomes full again. But since we live in a world that is not yet perfect, it will diminish again, it will, wa- it will wane only to be reborn again. But it's not again, every, one, every month is a new renewal. That's why in Hebrew the month, the word for month is Chodesh, which means, say Rosh Chodesh, Chodesh. Chodesh also means Chidush, new, renewal. Many, things you, many times you hear from people, my life I'm bored, it's monotonous, going through the same routines, same regimens, I need some excitement, I need some rush, I need some change. The moon is full of change. And it gets renewed all the time and teaches us also about our own process of renewal. Interesting thing with renewal, renewal for it to happen in your life, to feel new and fresh, you need to be on the move and mobile. You need to go through a state. If everything is going regular, it's going to get monotonous, even if it's good and pleasant. So a key thing to renewal is that there's a shift. There's a transition. And the transition sometimes takes feeling somewhat I don't want to say deprived, but feeling some angst, something lacking. You don't feel the fullness, and that drives you and motivates you. That's a catalyst for growth to becoming full again. So the full moon represents tremendous lessons in psychological, personal lessons in life. So when you stand out there and look at the moon and going through its shifts, see yourself in it. See it reflecting your own life. I remember as a, uh, a young man, teenager actually, my parents for the summer once rented a place here in uh, New York, in Brooklyn at uh, Rockaway, that was uh, under, underwater on the Atlantic Ocean. And it was easier than going to the mountains or other places because it was closer. Um, and I would visit them once in a while. I was a student in the, uh, the, uh, in the school here. And I remember one evening I went to have dinner. Afterwards, I went out to the water, to the beach. And it was just one of these nights, these serene, crystal clear night. You could even see the stars, even in New York. And of course, the moon. And it was almost full. And there was the ocean right in front of me. And I remember all these things, even though they happen all the time and you can see it all the time, but for some reason it was a definitive moment transformative moment in my life and I just stayed there all night to be honest and I was so taken by the waves the relentless crash of the waves this mighty ocean that humbles man and ships we all know how people are completely mesmerized by the sinking of the Titanic you know this ocean right right near us covers two-thirds of this planet of this earth and yet it's so mysterious so powerful and with all our technologies, the ocean remains more powerful than us. But then when it comes close to the beach, to the shore, this mighty ocean is humbled. And its waves come licking and hitting the ocean. But you can almost tell that they're being told, this is your boundary. Don't cross the line in the sand, literally. But I, I was taken by the relentless 
waves. They never stopped. And I was even, you know, in your own fantasies, you think about things, I was thinking maybe the waves will stop for a moment. In a way, that kept me going all night because I was waiting, maybe the next wave will stop. Obviously, this was just some childish fantasy, but I realized at that moment that there are forces in life that are never stopped, they're relentless. And those forces also are within us. And with the backdrop of the moon hovering over this ocean on these waves, it was just an image that was so important in a way for my life at that moment. Because most of my formative years, a teenager thinking about life, thinking where I'm headed. But in many ways it captures something that remains with me till this day about our own commitments and our own involvements and our own intensity. And are we relentless in the pursuit of our of excellence in the areas that we are capable of? And do we learn from the moon as well, the, the cycles of life? And realizing, yes, there comes a point where sometimes you feel a little diminished, you may feel a little withdrawn, but then comes the full moon. All this was racing through my mind that night. I wouldn't even say racing, it was quite calm and serene, but it was a beautiful, beautiful experience. And I was sharing it because to me it captured that we have right before us these witnesses of history. The moon has been with us from the beginning of time. How many billions and billions of people have seen the same moon? Even right now, we look at the moon and other parts of the earth, they see the same moon. And then it's gone through history. So things that have gone through history, the best and the, best and the worst of times, that moon was always there, a witness to everything best and worst of mankind. The greatest things men have achieved, human beings have achieved, and the greatest injustices human beings have perpetrated upon each other. And here we have it standing before us, and we look for lessons, they're right there. They're built into the backdrop, the props of this choreography of our lives. And here I'm standing, the ocean in front of me, the moon above, this night, a bright night, and lessons that, as I said, can change your life. In a way, I remind myself of these waves every time I have sometimes a challenge, a setback. I say, no, you have to be like the waves. There's a certain intensity. Obviously, there are times we need to be calmer. There are times we need to th- for- progress, forward progress. As I said, there are cycles. But you, but you also have that capacity to learn from it, that we ourselves also have that, that intensity within us. And that we, cu- coupled with the dignity of the moon and the fullness of it, we can achieve what we set our minds to. I see so many people suffering, so many people lonely, people feeling hopeless, resigned, I've tried, I can't do this, I can't do that. And not judging anyone. Everybody goes through their things, and I'm not definitely not in their shoes. But so often we're trapped by our own emotional biases and prejudices that we feel we can't. That's why I believe that these resources, the moon, the sea, and of course other things in nature, can be true teachers and mentors and inspirations to us. In our own life, you are like the moon. And everything that will happen to your life is going to go through cycles. That's how it is. When you know that, it's somewhat calming. It's somewhat a certain peace comes from that because you know that life is movement. And movement is not static or stagnant. Yes, many of us would just like things to stop and not move at all. But that's death. I've mentioned this a number of times, the, the, the cardiologist. 
I know well, come to my classes very often, and a uh, very difficult life and personal life and other matters. And a sweet, sweet soul says to me once, you know, maybe you can give me a blessing that life should just be one day of calm, total peace, total animal bliss. And I couldn't resist. It was, uh, of course, his request was very sincere and I understood it. So we were close enough. So I said to him, you mean like a flat line? He said, no, 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 Rabbi, no, no. Of course, a flat line is not what anybody wants to see in a cardiogram. A cardiogram, a healthy heart, what does it look like? It doesn't look like a straight line. A wave, waves, perfect waves is the healthy heart. There's the peaks and the valleys. And when it's healthy, there's perfect balance. And there's a certain rhythm to it. When you look at it, there's a rhythm that we relate to, a rhythm. The waves, talk about waves. If the peaks are too high and the valleys are too deep, then you have either too much um, manic, too much energy going up, too much angst, anxiety, or too much depression. That's why we need the balance. We all need to be reaching up. Always be a little frustrated that you haven't reached yet where you want to be. Driven, be, dr- that drives you to go there. And then resolution, tension, resolution. You don't want the tension and the resolution to not be commensurate to each other, proportionate to each other. But when they're balanced, that's what life is about. It's a heartbeat. It's a cycle. A heartbeat it contracts and expands. It's a breath the breath of life. Exhale, inhale. That is life. It's mobile. It's moving. And stop it for one moment and you, you, you impede its real power. So this fantasy of let's just freeze life, freeze, is a fantasy. It's not only fantasy, it's unhealthy. There's nothing in life that freezes. The seasons change from the summer to the autumn to the winter to the spring and again. And this affects the Everything in this world, the world of the trees, vegetation, of course, animal kingdom, and humans. And the human being, the heart is always beating. The breath is always breathing. That's what life is. Life is mobility. So you want to fight that, like create a stagnation? Stop the flow? Flat line? Of course not. But yet, in our bizarre way of being, we like to become couch potatoes. We like just to... Let me just sit in my place, press a button, I can get everything. It creates an illusion of power, but it also is really, ultimately, strips us of our power. Makes you powerless and very vulnerable because you can't, you just sit there and you think you press buttons, but effort, initiative, makes a person a healthy person. I can't resist as well to tell the story, the joke, Old Jew sitting on a bench and he's all depressed. His friend comes over. What's the matter? He says, my wife is very angry at me. He says, why is she angry? Um, he says, she's angry. Today, this morning was really... But she's, so he says, what's the big thing? She's always angry at you. No, today was something special. What happened? She went to work. She asked me, what are you going to do today? So I said, nothing. And she said, you said that yesterday. I told her I wasn't finished. I wasn't finished doing nothing. So some of us think that it's a mastery of an art, the art of doing nothing. And not feeling bad about it, even better. No, that's not an art, and it's not an art to not feel better, not feel good about it. To feel good about it, rather. Because a human being should not be doing nothing. There's no such thing as nothing. You're breathing. 
So he's doing something already. Your heart is beating. You're moving. Even when we're asleep, we move. There's no such thing as frozen. Today, especially with science and physics, we know that we don't live in an inanimate universe that doesn't move. It's full of vibrating, pulsating energy. Even whether you see it or you don't see it. That's what life is. It's energy. Energy flows. Energy moves. And when you think about it, that's what makes us who we are. That mobility, the cycle of the moon, the waves of life. And recognizing that and coming to peace with that is a critical component because that's what you want to align yourself with. You don't want to fight that. You want to ride those waves. You want to ride those cycles. You want to allow them to catapult you to greater places. Or there are times of introspection, like in business, for instance. When things in business, for whatever reason, is not going so well, it's a time for taking accounting, introspection, review, inventory, refining the systems. And then there's a time for aggressive growth. This is normal in life. When we go to sleep at night, there's a time for recharging our batteries, regeneration. And throughout the day, we are recharged. We wake up in the morning, and throughout the day, we produce. Everything is a cycle. And recognizing that and anticipating that is the key to be at peace, that even when there are moments that seem sad, and sometimes they're very sad, sometimes there's a lot of loss and trauma, but that does not mean you are loss and trauma. We may suffer, but we don't become sufferers. We go through phases, but we don't become those phases. So the moon reflects those phases, and we... we we are, it reflects in our lives, but you are not identified by that. Your malchus, your dignity, your majesty is always intact. Remember, the moon is always full. The question is whether it's shining full to earth, whether it's shining to you. So your soul is always complete. The soul you were given is pure, we say every morning. The question is, is it directed toward you, the angle that the sun is reflecting this moon to you? Are you aware and conscious of it? But it's always there. So when it, we become conscious, and that's the effort when we come to a full moon, is to become aware and conscious of it and allow it to actualize in our lives. It's like someone has a healthy heart. But if the arteries are, God forbid, clogged or blocked, it can impede the flow. So we want to make sure that the flow from our malchus, from our inner moon, the moon and microcosm within our spirits and psyches, is shining. But that will be in stages. There are times that it shines very strongly. There are times a little weaker. And there are times where it wanes almost down to nothing. Or even to nothing. Only to be reborn again. Chidush. A complete renewal. It's a tremendous lesson in life. Especially in this month where we go through these extremes. On one end, the saddest. And then the happiest. And actually the happiest is born out of the saddest. That's even most amazing. As I said, it's not divorced one from the other. It's born out of it. Because if you are able to tap into the energy of sadness and of loss and of grief and of mourning and of death, God forbid, you can tap energy that is tremendously powerful. Look what grief does to people. To say it has no power would be ridiculous. In many ways, it's even more powerful than joy. The problem is the power is inverted, like the black hole that doesn't let the light escape. So, But there's a lot of power there. The question is, how do we harness that power and direct and channel it toward growth? So here you have the calendar that does exactly that. That even if there's been a betrayal, there's been a violation, 
even on a very deep level, where there's a deep wound in our souls, there's a deep wound in our psyches due to whatever happened to us in life, that does not dictate the rest of your life. On the contrary, that energy, inverted, that energy tapped into and harnessed, gives birth to the greatest achievements. So you have to separate yourself from what has happened to you and realize what has happened is not you. And as a result, what has happened has happened to you. Yes, it brought you down, but it could also bring you up. And it can turn you into a full moon with true dignity. But to do that, you need to learn about your moon. You need to learn about your light. You need to learn about your inner soul. Because if you don't learn about it, what you'll be trapped in is the limited knowledge that many of us have based on our education that has not taught us about what strengths we have. I find that so many people don't have confidence in themselves and they ultimately become their own worst enemy because they don't even have a clue what resources you have. Imagine someone who's given all kinds of gifts and resources and tools and skills and then something happens and, they, and you come and meet them and they say, I don't know what to do. And then you just help them, you take them inside their, their shed and you say, hey, you have a whole tool chest here. You say, I never knew I had it. Sometimes even if you point it out, they say, I don't see it. I don't recognize it. I don't have confidence in it. So the first step is to recognize and know it's there. The moon has it. Even when the moon is waning, it's there. It's not seen, but it's there. And once you build the confidence it's there, then the question is accessing it. But if you don't have confidence in it, you're not even going to try. Or even the little try you'll do is immediately, as soon as it doesn't work, you'll say, I don't have, I'm not able to deal with this challenge. Now, obviously, we need to have help and support and a mentor because some challenges are important to fight, some are not. We have to know how to choose our battles. But in most cases, we give up because we don't think we have the tools or we don't have the confidence. So the full moon teaches us it's all there, waiting for you to access it, waiting to be released. So you have that power, you have that song. Alas to those that die with their song still inside them. Oliver Wendell Holmes' sad poem called The Voiceless. The voiceless is like a silent moon, a moon that doesn't have any light. But giving voice to a moon as it's reborn and grows and then becomes a full moon, suddenly it has that voice. But the voice is always there. You have it within you. Surround yourself with people that remind you of that, that have that, give you that vote of confidence all the time, that don't throw cold water and diminish and in some ways poo-poo and dismiss your enthusiasm. Find people that believe in you. Learn about that soul that you have inside of you. Learn about the moon. Dignity, malchut. It's a tremendous idea. Because malchut is a very difficult emotion to master because it's not something you can go purchase. You can't buy dignity. And you can't sell dignity. It's that loving power that comes from the gaze of a mother staring at her new child. And the child staring back. It's an intangible, but all of us know when it's there. When you feel dignified, you feel you're in the presence of someone who respects you and shows you kindness and shows value, values you. This can be even someone disagrees with you. That's not even relevant here. But they value you. They value your space. They value your person. Not just your personality. Not just your opinions. Your person. 
You just know they respect the fact that you exist. That is the recognition of Malchus. And of course, the, 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 the opposite of that is someone who doesn't respect. They may respect your opinion, but they don't respect you. They may accept something from you, it benefits them or for whatever reason, but they don't accept you. You want to be accepted as me. It doesn't mean I'm perfect, but I have value. It's one of the most fundamental principles in life. Healthy parents convey that every moment, 24-7, to their children. Without even saying anything. Whether it's a look, a gaze, or it's behavior. It's not what you buy them. It's not gifts. It's not trips. It's not... It's an a emotional conveying, you are valuable to me. You're valuable to the world. You're valuable to God. You matter. And your choices matter. And that's a driving force. The moon, the dignity and malchus of the moon. The best antidote to the wounds, the psychological wounds and emotional wounds we all carry. Because a wound, what a wound does is undermines your own dignity. That's at the end of the day. When someone hurts somebody, especially someone that loves you or to hurt you, they are essentially invalidating you and thus demoralizing you. They're invalidating your value because you say, why are you hurting me? What's the matter with me? And you don't want to always accept, in most cases, don't want to accept the person that loves you, something the matter with them. So what's the matter with me that I'm being hurt? Why am I not respected? That means I don't deserve respect. What really should be the conclusion that children obviously cannot figure out is the person doing it is, should, is the one that is uh, diminished. But they make you feel like you are, that you don't deserve my love, that you don't deserve to be loved. And after a while, you start convincing yourself that I'm not worthy, or I'm not fully worthy. And then, as more of the validation builds up as you grow older, you start looking for validation, you start looking for nurturing, you start looking for love sometimes in the wrong places, and from the wrong people, and the wrong way. And desperation sometimes creates extremes, when in truth, your moon is right there inside of you, waiting to be released. But you are not allowed to be made aware of it, because, as a matter of fact, it was that your consciousness of it was stripped from you because of that behavior. That's what abuse is, in a nutshell. If it's extreme, it can really have very, of course, deep impact. Even mild forms, even, even a, a slight, someone just dismissing you, is considered a crime. But we have a certain resilience, we can deal with some of that. Children have it more difficult. But if it's persistent and ongoing, it begin begins to undermine and erode your malchus, your dignity, your moon. And therefore it becomes diminished. So, we're, so we then comes the 15th of the month, the full moon, and you look up in the sky, you see it, telling you, there it is. It's waiting for you, to for you to take it. It's yours for the taking. It's your birthright. And make sure that you always know that, and make sure that you're around people who know that. Often, we become addicted to the people that hurt us. We become addicted to hurt. We feel that's what our most comfortable place is, a place where I am violated or I'm hurt or I'm abused. That has to com completely change. So the moon is a living testimony, a living gift given to us by God to remind us of ourselves, to remind us of our capacity 
our capacity, our potential, to remind us that we will go through cycles and we will then reachieve renewal and fullness. And we can do that every month anew in a new way. I find it to be tremendously empowering when you personalize it that way, and I hope you do it too as well. That's the lesson. The lesson of full moon. The meaning of full moon. Now this is a topic I've spoken about a number of times. You can find other articles at MeaningfulLife.com a full array of resources on this and many other topics. But here you see how the beautiful concept that the whole tar- that a human being is a small universe, the universe of microcosm. Everything in existence is there within you. So we have a moon within us, we have a sun within us, we have the oceans, the tides, the cycles, the waves. Everything is there within you. And when you look at it on the outside, think of it as a reminder, a reflection. It's like a mirror reflection of what you're like. Now, I didn't talk about the sun because it was a diff- it's a different topic. There's a sun as well within us for another time. But this is the moon, and this is the haunting power. That's why it's so mesmerizing. Not because it's just a nice a certain, or a certain sphere in the sky, because it, in some way, whether we know it or not, reflects our own challenges and our own strengths and our own successes and our own failures. And that's why when we look in the Talmud, it talks about the greatness of this day, the 15th of this month. It talks about the nights get start beginning longer in the Israel. Well, also everywhere, the nights start getting longer as the summer begins to end. As the nights get longer, it says an interesting statement. What is a night for? A night is for meditation, for study. So as the nights begin to get longer, we should increase in studying. Think about it. What is study? Study is connecting to your life source. Torah Chaim, the life, of to- the Torah of life. So even though longer days, you would think is more productive, more light. No, but the moon and the night and the moon has its own power. The power of when everything quiets down, and you can spend a little more time with yourself, thinking, meditating, contemplating, when there isn't so much noise out there in the rush hour. So the moon and the night has its own. The night was created only for one reason. For us to study. For us to be introspective. For us to think. Mindfulness. Meditative. Introspective. And that's the story of this period in time. So it's a period where we begin to increase in tapping into the energy of the night. And the energy of the night is a much more intimate energy. The energy of the day. The day is much more expressive, much more fireworks, action, light, light, light. Night, things quiet down. So it's more of an internal energy, an intimate internal energy, which is why the moon is so much more intimate in a certain way, more romantic. It's the internal energy that is not as bright and far from being bright, but it's there. It's pale, it's a glow, it shifts and changes. You can almost say the moon is like a bashful entity. The sun is not bashful at all. It's shining full glory all the time. Yes, it has its sunspots and shifts and sunstorms and solar storms and so on. But the moon is the far more vulnerable one, the more fragile one. Because it's the dignity of our lives. And the dignity is far more um, innocent. And it's depending on the sun. It depends on the light of the sun. But it reflects the essence of our own innocence, our own dignity. 
So it needs to be protected. Both you have to protect it, and we have to protect the dignity of our children. Because that is our responsibility. Children are defenseless, they're vulnerable, impressionable. There's nothing like protecting, not just protecting, helping nurture, cultivate, and to the point of blossoming a child's, a little boy or girl's dignity. So as they grow into adults, they feel that sense of kingship. Not arrogance, humble kingship, a humble dignity. Like the moon remains a humble entity, but it shines and it glows. And it teaches us all these lessons, and above all, the lesson of that dignity. Treat others with dignity like you would like to be treated. That's how we change the world in which we live. In many ways, you can say the crisis of our times is a crisis in life, sanctity of life, dignity of life. You hear about these shootings. You hear about all kinds of other injustices. People trample on each other, dismiss each other. The polarization of politics, so much personalized hatred, not pointing fingers. It's all, to me, an assault on the dignity of human beings. We can disagree respectfully. We can love each other. Why would we have to undermine another person's dignity to be right? Why do you have to be wrong for me to be right? Only insecure people think that way. Secure people, you know what? I have my opinion. You're entitled to yours. Your opinion doesn't necessarily have to change mine. I'm ready to hear what you have to say. Respect the people, even if their opinions may be different. The call of our times to, I don't want to call it moon worship because we don't worship the moon. We worship God. But it's looking at the moon as a lesson, as a teacher of dignity, of humble dignity. May we all be blessed to use this full moon, especially of this month, to give birth to the greatest growth, to fullness in our lives in every possible way, to fullness in all the faculties, that this 10th Malchus and its fullness gives fullness to our intellect, our cognitive and emotional faculties, and an extension to using them by and using these faculties to extend and express and bring light to the world around us in a ripple effect. And that's what our dedication at Meaningful Life Center is. And we hope you'll participate. This is one program. This program will be archived. There are many, many others. Please take advantage of a full array of resources at MeaningfulLife.com. Please send us your comments. Share, like. We're on social media. Every possible way. And of course, we welcome all your comments and all your feedback and all your thoughts and suggestions. We're all dignified human beings and as such partners in this cosmic symphony. May you all be blessed. We're here every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. is our live program. We have other programs as well. And then it's archived. You can download it as a, as a, as a podcast on uh, iTunes and all the other platforms out there. Everyone have a very illuminating week, a full week, fullness in every possible way. Thank you so much.